0: Clinton Callahan, thank you for returning to this show. It's been a while since episode 15. It's, it's a delight to have you back.
1: Great to be here. I have been exploring a lot. You've been exploring a lot. Things in the world are literally exploding. It's time we got into this.
0: Yes. And so the initial seed that emerged for me is somewhere in your writing or work or it was, it was in a space you were in. There was some mention made of a distinction between different kinds of processes. And it resonated, it mapped onto a a similar distinction I've been exploring. And it was between processes that are dead on arrival in the sense that they're master planned. They're held so rigidly and there's an agenda and it's all dictated. And so the space and the the process is dead and it, it, it just creates more of the same. Then there's processes that are random and haphazard that are kind of all over the map and flailing about kind of grasping here, grasping there, don't have any coherence to them. And then both of those are distinct from processes that have an aliveness to them. They have a coherence. They're very much about supporting the emergence of new form, new possibilities, new steps from what's real. So there's a real organic sense, almost a birthing sense. And these, these are the kinds of processes that I'm passionately interested in and I've been exploring for a long time in the realm of permaculture and to some degree, working with organizations and businesses and stuff, and then more recently on a personal level. And a lot of that work I've been doing has been supported by your own work. And, and yet there's this this common thread of, of what does it mean to be in these kinds of processes? And, and I was excited at the possibility of exploring the dynamics of that, given that you've I know you have a lot of very real, lived, useful, practical experience from your domain. And there's all these different flavors that I thought we could pull in, but that was where it started.
1: I'd like, as we're getting started, to throw in two things. One is a term that we've been using powerfully, effectively, called "game world," and and it's not something common in common language outside of you know, video games and that kind of thing. But it, in terms of human interactions, it's a powerful aid, I think, to to dive into this kind of stuff if we understand that humans interact with each other through constructs negotiated constructs that have a context rules of engagement a codex even and that that formal structure is what allows us to freely create in that domain and and that that structure we've just given the name game world to it so and so there's there's sports you know it's easy to to see that if you have a A game world like soccer and you change one rule in the game world for example letting each team have a a live animal on their side or a bicycle or you add another ball in the game or that everybody each team that makes a goal then gives one of their players to the other side and the game goes like this and every time you change one tiny rule that you have an entirely new game but the thing is what we forget is that culture is a game world government is a game world the idea of a country is a game world you know business corporations are game worlds on and on and on the post office is a game world so we have so many game worlds and to take responsibility for the possibility of renegotiating or redesigning a game world to make them regenerative or, you know, to create different kinds of relationships between people or different uh, value systems, bringing different values Mm -hmm. is a huge doorway that's just opening now. And so people were, in in short, uh, the people that we're working with in possibility management are being empowered to open doorways and build out new game space uh, that people can then occupy to create a a totally different culture called archiarchy, the culture that comes after matriarchy and patriarchy. So so I wanted to add that word in the the world, the word game
0: world. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And and let's take a moment to um, let that really land for people. So for example, permaculture is a game world. Making permaculture stronger as a project is a game world. It's nested within this larger game world. What I'm calling living design process is a game world. So it's this, it's this, this, this label for a, a set of rules of engagement, there's certain parameters, there's certain, you, you could say a game world has its own uh, rituals, taboos, you know, all, all these kinds of things apply. And then you 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 talked about this transition or this difference between the game world of, of you could almost say the meta game world of modern culture. And then the, the space in which people are exploring new game worlds to, in the space of regeneration and, and, and so on. So yeah, thanks for bringing that in as part of the context of, of exploring different kinds of processes.
1: And the other thing I wanted to add in is that the game world of modern culture, I, I would refuse to call it a metagame world, just to be clear, because mm-hmm. otherwise you'd make it too complex. But it is, it's very, very simple. You know, the capitalist patriarchal empire is a very simple game world. To, to understand as a context and rules of engagement and all the same. So what I wanted to throw in was since we were born and raised in this modern culture that also put us into a school, an education system, You know, an education system that focused almost entirely on the intellect, that we're, we're confronted with facing a world or a universe actually where these processes are occurring and their natural evolutionary transformational life death, and in-between processes are occurring. And we're trying to understand them with our mind. And the, the mind has this inorganic quality in its logic and in its synthesis of what, what is so. The synthesis is inorganic. And yet what's occurring all around us and even within us in is our organic processes. And organic processes include this, the transformational element, which is, the, is this chaos part. And so for us to get out of our mind enough to wrap our mind around what, you know, these evolutionary processes that are, are so obviously, tacitly uh, in, in, in natural, in the natural world, and we ourselves, you know, all five of our bodies are in this organically evolving um, transformational world, and yet we're trying to understand this and talk about it with a mind that has linear yes-no logic and polarities that make sense in our mind and have no basis in reality. You know, we fabricate models and try to put them on reality, and then we don't even see the rest of what's happening Mm -hmm. because we're inside of our model world. I mean, that's what we're faced with when we're diving into process.
0: Thank you. Let's let's explore that a little bit. And to be clear, I'm not taking from what you're saying that the mind is wrong or bad, but that it's overly dominant. It's become sort of like a tyrant, and we're trying to we're trying to we're trying to pull everything through this kind of little part of us. Or it's not even that not that it's little, but but squeeze it through one aspect of who we are. And to me, this does tie in directly to this distinction I'm making because so often. What it is to me that kills the process is that we're trying to run it intellectually. And usually what that means is exactly what you're saying, pulling in a model, pulling in a map, pulling in a plan, pulling in a framework, and then imposing that on reality as opposed to really relaxing into all of who we are. You touched on our five bodies, so maybe we should mention those, but relaxing into all of who we are and and letting life and reality happen through us. And that's when emergent happens. And I I would love to bring this focus to the, the reality of the chaos that is unfolding and ramping up all all around the world as as well. And and I'll just throw in there also, as you spoke of chaos, I was realizing that often because we're so culturally so unfamiliar with processes that are alive, that we tend to go into one of these other two processes. Either we try and master plan it, and and often what that means in modern culture is the state comes in with here's the solution, here are the steps out of this, or we go into the more chaos random hazard, let's try this, let's try this, let's try that. Situation missing out on this third path. I Me,
1: mean, I want to throw in two more things, which is you know, traditionally both in education, in, in business, in government, in almost every organization that I can think of that's promoted by modern culture. The 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 power structure is designed as a hierarchy, and so the hierarchical power structure is is it's like this. Uh, the, um, the idea of army intelligence being uh, you know, uh, self-contradictory, you know, because, because thinking that a top-down uh, intelligent, you know, follow the orders, command and control organization is going to optimize intelligence is just foolhardy. So, mm. so okay, and we're so unfamiliar with coming to sit in a circle with nothing in the middle and in navigating a circular power structure called a torus, and, and unleashing group intelligence through Taurus technology as a meeting technology is so unfamiliar to us. And yet that's, that's where the genius of, of um, chaos can be utilized is when, when there's this free form, constantly moving, breathing in and out, um, living, Taurus organizational chart, you know, an, org, an organizational system that can handle that, that kind of aliveness. That's where chaos starts making, it's a fuel. That's where the, it's where the uh, that's where the, you know, the source is. The source is the nothing, the source is the void. And that's so contradictory to the hierarchical power system that we're all familiar with in from, from the church and school and, and, and government and military and everything.
0: I have a uh, noticing a slight fear of we're bringing in so many exciting and powerful distinctions that okay. I'd love to play with what we've got so far. I add
1: a... in one more. So. Okay, yeah. Okay,
0: <laughs> this is this is it. Okay, get them get get as many as you want in, and then we're gonna we're gonna back up and we're gonna use yeah. them to go into this yes. conversation. Bob. Yes. Okay. So good. So look, <laughs>
1: we've we've just been researching this, but it's like here you have a system. You have a, a known system, a present system, a current system, doing whatever it's doing. And, and you are an agent of problem solving, let's call it. But actually you're an agent of healing, perhaps. Or maybe you're an agent of facilitation or evolution or transformation even. And so in order to have this uh, meta relationship like a, a, to, the, to the existing system, In order to have the overview or the ability to to navigate the evolution, you you actually need to go to the edge. And so here you are, you've got a system and you're going to the edge of the system. So you have this overview and then then you're in a situation where you look back at your system and you're basically you're going, this is not working enough. This is not working well. This is failing. It is it is. Not attractive to go back into the system and fall asleep, be a zombie, you know, and pretend as if everything's going to be okay. At the same time, you're standing at this edge, and what's out there is nothing. And so, in both cases, there we have this emotional response, and the emotion is fear. So, you stand at the edge, and it, you know, your fear about going out, stepping out into the unknown, but also fear about going back into the known and thinking that everything's going to be okay it's not going to be okay and so to to have this conversation for somebody to think they're going to be able to apply what we're going to talk about in this conversation in their everyday life or their work life or their their project life is to recognize the necessity of getting competence and navigating your own emotions consciously and not not having the unconscious reaction of it's it's I'm afraid I go away. I'm afraid I leave. I, you know, fear is bad. Fear is wrong. Anger is bad. Anger is wrong. Without internally navigating, you know, being making conscious feelings your home, and then using that as a resource, you you will be non-functional in the in the service of the evolution of the process.
0: Yeah, yeah. Thank you for saying that, and that that's so deeply resonates, and, and I and I appreciate in my experience how foundational conscious feelings work. Is to possibility management such an important part of it? And I also felt, along with that fear I mentioned, the sadness as you were speaking, realizing how true that edge situation is of my relationship to permaculture and even to making permaculture stronger. Now, it's like you know I'm working in permaculture and certain things are working and it's known and there's colleagues and there's a set there's you know it's a game world with it's comfortable, it's nice, and then there's aspects of it that I realize are too. Are too deeply infused by modern culture and things that don't work for me, and the way that the processes aren't alive as they could be. So you're out on the edge here, and it's scary. Like, do you take off by yourself, or do how do you how do you how do you, how do you navigate that? Oh, how about we go back around? Because there's a few flavors I really like to hone in on. One yeah. thing you you mentioned was this, and this, we'll have some links to these things, but you mentioned this idea of a Taurus or coming together in a c- circle where there's nothing in the middle. And I like to explore this idea of nothing and also pull in this idea of chaos. Because one, a core aspect of my understanding at the moment of what, what this third path in terms of process is. It's not over planned, so it's not dead from the start, where in a way you're, you're coming up with a plan, you're throwing that plan into the future, sometimes I describe this as drop-kicking corpses into the future. You know, like you arrive, the future catches up with you, you arrive in the present, it's already dead, right? Because you've already got this dictated kind of impositional frame. Or you're just completely lost and all over the all over the place and just trying this, that, and the other thing. That middle path, if the process is alive, this idea of being with nothing. And, and part of what that means for me is that in the space where there usually be a plan or some random grasping for something, there's nothing. And yet... There is, the analogy I use is DNA. There's some kind of purpose or intention. It doesn't put anything in the in, in the space in terms of what needs to happen, but there's some kind of, something that acts like DNA. And to me, there's something in there that's really, really important. I don't know if you want to speak to that, and then I'd love to come yeah, back to I, chaos.
1: Yeah, I want to go back. I want to take it into a real practical application of what you just said, which is, Let's say I am in relationship with somebody, could be a colleague, could be my partner, even my kids or the neighbors, anybody like that. And then what's coming up is a tension between us, which is, and the tension is coming out of the DNA, is what I would say. So the DNA has a structure, a plan, or an idea, a picture of what is, or how things are, or what has to be. So my partner has this position, or is defending uh, a way things are right now, or say, for example, and, and, and I have a different orientation towards what should happen now. So we have this tension between us of two realities kind of conflicting with each other. This applies everywhere. You know, this is really so applicable. And so, and so here we are in, in essentially our training and the models that were shown in the world are the only option is to fight. So now we're gonna see who has most power, who's got the biggest weapons, who has the most evil dark side who can undermine, you know, sabotage and call in a newspaper or forces of you know, gossip and intrigue and et cetera, assassins, whatever you wanna, to, to whatever degree you wanna look at this, you know, fight is the answer. And there's this, there's this whole other, possibility if chaos has become your friend. And that is to take your own self, your own position, your own view of things, your needs, you know, the way things have always been or what you how and take your position into breakdown. Take yourself into breakdown. And this is such a scary thing to do because you lose your position, you lose your power, you lose your even a, a solid base to stand on your argument, your reasoning, you're taking that entire thing into a, what I call a liquid state, you know, a, a state where there isn't anything solid anymore and, and be okay with it. If like you take yourself into this liquid state, who is that other person going to fight with? The, the war is over. And the thing is you haven't lost because you're the mage. You're the one who can you know take yourself into this seemingly problematical non-existent state of being fluid and being but what you've shifted the game is instead of having a position you've shifted it into a kind of relationality a kind of a possibility space and so all of a sudden there's things that you were blocking because of your rigid you know or i was blocking because of my rigid position are now options that i did not have to choose from before and I can put them on the table. What about this? What, and try this. I'm going to try, you know, move over here, try this, go like this. So there's this whole thing of taking yourself out of a solid state into a gaseous state or a liquid state or a light state or some, some state that doesn't have this positionality. And you're taking yourself into the chaos, like into this nothingness that you're talking about. You just drop into the nothingness. And, and, and so the war's over. But then all of a sudden, a new many new possibilities are possible.
0: Yeah. It's like what you're saying lands for me more generally too. It's outside of navigating a, a conflict and, and transforming that with a person. Also, when I'm in process with a landscape or a group and we're navigating in some direction or another, that it's possible to, 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 to dissolve your attachment to all your stuff, your beliefs, decisions, assumptions, to your understandings of how things need to go. And in a way, fall in love in the moment with chaos with reality and i've experienced this in my design work and it's it is so scary at first but then immediately it's like my role shifts rather than having to have the answers or even have my shit together or be the professional cool calm collected expert or whatever i'm liquid too and no one knows what the fuck is going on but we we are rather than going to the random or haphazard we are present to what's happening and we're, and we're open to the possibility of something emerging that doesn't need to come from our mind or whatever that, that's there waiting to be born and we can support its emergence. And so often what's there is going to be such a beautiful reconciliation or resolution or it's going to harmonize what matters to everybody and what matters to the land. And, and we we're just our mind is too small to discover that thing, you know.
1: Yeah, I mean you're you're talking from experience and the the bridge or the gap between uh, the survival you know, grip onto this position and letting go into the liquid state, it's, it's almost like this act of faith. And so it's, there's some, you have to try it in small ways. And I wanted to suggest a small way for people to try this, which has to do with messaging. So it's so common for a message to arrive, an email to arrive, and you, you get it on your screen and there's emotional charge in the message. That, that triggers emotional charge in the reader, in me. And so here I have, and so the, 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 the automatic response would ordinarily be, I just on my keyboard and I start messaging back. So here's this hard solid thing called a message, black and white on the screen. And I think I understand what it means. And then I have this reactivity and I'm gonna put back my position, my argument, my reactivity, and we have this little war going on. And so, this is so common in everyday life, and it's actually, there's this shadow part of ourselves that I call the gremlin part that, that thrives on this kind of low drama interactive, I win, I'm right, you're wrong, you know, this whole kind of this war, the war zone. And, and the way to get off it is to pick up the phone and call the person instead of typing any word back. And I've done this so often in the last few years. I get one of these emotionally charged messages. You're doing this, you're not doing this. I heard this rumor about you. You know, you can't do this. And I just pick up the phone. I don't even write back anything. And and then and I'll say, hi, hello. And, and it's a completely different domain of fluidity and, and there's, there's no more positionality. It's like the whole messaging game world is just vaporized into human co- collaboration, you know, because, you know, mm-hmm. most of the people I message, I love them and they love me. But there's this subtle, you know, game world going on. I'm like, i want to kill you. And it's like, no, 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 no. No, let's get let's not play this game. I just want to offer that as a really powerful example of of taking yourself into the the nothingness.
0: As you're talking, I was what was coming up for me is 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 my own personal experience. And I want to bring invite others into this as well, because you so many of us have had this. So your partner, your loved one, right? You love each other and and this is not even you're not even it's not even an email or messaging thing you're together in a space and you're in a design process and you're deciding about i don't know where the bath's going to go in the new bathroom or whether you plant <laughs> this there or there right how familiar is it that what clinton's talking about unconsciously starts to unfold well i i think it's would be silly to put an apple tree there because i don't know they lose their leaves in winter and want privacy or whatever i've got some good reason and and the other the other person is saying well i just really love the idea of an apple tree and, and you go on to you know, it might be sometimes quite subtle and it doesn't seem high stakes, but it's still this unconscious kind of battle when something else is possible in that moment and it's possible to deepen the conversation. I I still, I'm almost embarrassed. I still notice this, particularly when there's someone with really strong opinions coming in. I feel this resistance. We're in the moment. And if I can reset and catch myself, hey, this is a person who cares enough about me in this situation to be contributing what they see as valuable. How do I just not be attached and realize that we still... In this in these cases, I still get to make a decision later, or whatever. If I need need to console myself with that, but invite that energy in, let let it in. Let's like you're saying, shift into the space of rather than burning like burning the tension by directing at each other, like use it creatively to, to move somewhere and to mm-hmm. harness and access beautiful outcomes. I,
1: we're so hammered into the idea of there being an answer or yeah. a right answer or yeah. a finished answer. And this this kind of a construct in our mind takes us out of uh, the relation, the process, like you said. So any, any of the things that take us into an answer or a finished product or like a final thing, it kills it, it petrifies it, changes it into stone, and then crystallizes it. And then we're no longer fluid. You know, the, we're in the imagination that the process is not happening. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. And then every like I just heard there was this 7.2 uh, Richter scale earthquake in Fukushima. It just happened. And okay, like so in my world, Fukushima already had a nine point whatever earthquake, you know, and that should be it. it should be over. That's the end of the earthquakes for Fukushima. But then I'm in this fantasy world that is is rigid. It's ended. It's like the the story has ended, but in fact it has not. You know, I think things continue to evolve and the forces of evolution are massive. They are far bigger than our little fantasy worlds. And so it leads us into naivete and be- feelings of betrayal and um, all kinds of revenge, you know, you know, trying to guard or protect or guard against any kind of further evolutions. Mm-hmm. Whereas the orientation towards kind of the whole everything the multi. Multi-dimensional processes happening ongoingly, and us becoming surfers—you know, surfers in this evolutionary <clears throat> flow—is is a totally different orientation than I have this answer. We've we've accomplished this plan, you know, check, and that was the right, and this is wrong, and that that kind of thing. That world, those are two different worlds, and one mm-hmm. of them prevails, and the one that prevails is the one that's based on chaos and evolution. So the the whole idea of Uh, is not like you said it's not making thinking bad or wrong it's not making logic um, the enemy but it is it's it's a kind of it's a an expansion into a a more uh practical practical use of chaos the the rules of chaos so to speak you know (laughs) how does chaos work how how do we how do we negotiate that
0: yeah, yeah. I, as you're speaking there, I, I remember that phrase "nature bats last" in the sense that that in the end, evolution and chaos win. <laughs> um, yeah. And I, and also, I had a very specific example come up too. As you were speaking, and, and so clear to me that when I started in the in the game world of permaculture, and I was I was orchestrating or being hired as a design expert, I'll be very attached to the way the process is. Not just not just I'm um, creating a plan. This is what's going to happen. This is where you're going to put the apple tree in the pond in the house and so on. But while the process was unfolding, I'd be very attached to where we ought to be. So right now we ought to be observing. No design, for example. And a lot of, a lot of people have heard their teachers drum this into them. <laughs> observe first, don't design. And you know, observe the people, get clear on their goals are, tick. And then observe the place, tick, and so on and so forth. And and, mm-hmm. and of course, like you're saying, like the, the world doesn't... It would be such a terrible, puny, boring place if it did fit perfectly into our, our, our plans, but it never does. So the, the, like you're dealing with clients and they're jumping around and they're so excited. And now they're telling me about this thought they had in the past. It's like, this is bad, this is wrong. I've got to get them back to where we should be. And my, my understanding of what the process is, you know, it's a linear sequence. Just to totally relax and be like, sweet, okay. this is. And sometimes I would make decisions and guide them, but really invite it and be almost just like, be in love with, be allied with reality. Right now, this is coming up. How can, we, how can we gain from this? And all oh, right, looks like we looks like this wants to happen first. Just getting out of that fighting thing. And I really wanted yeah. to come, you mentioned the wave, and I'm glad you did that because one, one I just said like three things I, I was hoping we'd touch on. I heard from your mouth some weeks ago in a different space, a, a phrase is, is saying something like, you can't surf on the wave you saw last week, which, <laughs> which I love, right? And then since then, with our uh, mutual friend, James Andrews, we evolved it a bit. Um, and when we're using it where it's, you, you can't surf on the wave you saw, you saw last week, you can't surf on the wave that you, that that is going to arrive a week from now. And you are always and everywhere on a wave, <laughs> you know, which is just yeah. so powerful. It's like, it's like, we spend so much time. Yeah. Like in, in pa- imaginary kind of, pa- well, actual, but reliving past waves or an imaginary future waves that may or may not ever happen. And you're already on a wave right now. What would it mean to pay attention to that? And that's what we're talking about. And, 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 and to me, we're talking about the possibility of not just noticing the already on a wave always, what would it mean to surf on that wave right now, right here? Wow.
1: I'd like to take what you just said and make it really personal. If, what if you are the wave? What if the wave is not your circumstances? The wave is, is actually you. And the way the the illusion that we've been given that is so, I think, harmful in terms of our experience or our ecstasy about being a human being is this thing called this linear life plan where you get born and then you go to school, and you go to school for these 14 years or whatever it is, or you try to extend it and do graduate school and get some degrees so you don't have to go out in the world. But eventually you kind of maybe go out in the world and then you have to get a job, you know, and and then. There's this point in there somewhere around 18 years old where the government, you know, the, the game world of, of the culture, modern culture, says you're an adult. You are now an adult, you're 18 years old. You can drive, you can smoke, you can drink, you can vote, okay, and pay taxes. And we're gonna follow you, we're gonna harry you because we've got your number. We know what properties you own. We know what's in your bank accounts. We're going to track you down so that you pay your taxes until you retire and die in an old people's home. Okay. So, and this is this linear life plan and we buy it. We, we haven't seen, uh, we ha- it's been marketed to us unconsciously everywhere, television, advertising, you know, everywhere. And, and so, and so this, this it's a, I think it's a really harmful A piece of thought where to adopt that I am now an adult. You know, at this point somebody becomes an adult. And it's so easily disproven. I mean, to to look at theoretically adult people holding positions of power in any kind of hierarchical game world from the corporate world to the government world to to our own personal game worlds, possibility management, you know, and permaculture in those game worlds, there's positions of power. And are people actually behaving as adults in those positions of power? Are they taking child level responsibility, adult level responsibility, or radical levels of responsibility? Like, and and the, the thing that has really been helping me the most about that is to see this whole thing of a path. And this, the path, is this evolutionary process, step by step, this this process, 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 step step, you know, and it the and it it, it does not end. There is no top end in this path, and so it, it doesn't. There's no really way to give you a, a blue belt, a green belt, a brown belt, a black belt. Where are you on the path? Have you, how many black belts do you have? You know, where are you on the path? Oh God, there you're the master, you're the servant. You know, you know, that you're higher priority, high status, low status, the whole pathing has no no positionality. It's no, you know, you're you're either on the path or you're not on the path is the way it's like you're either trying to hold on to everything and keep it rigid and to understand and to to know you know have it be known. You know, I've got life handled. I am I am where I am and and I'm whatever. I have this much money in the bank, I own this many properties. You know, I've had this many wives, whatever the thing is. And, and, or you're in this path, this way bigger than you, far bigger than, than the little mind can understand. And and it's like, you're surfing the wave and the wave is you, the wave is the path. And it's okay, what's happening right now? What's the next step right now? Cause you can't take another step on the path except what's right in front of you. It's exactly the same. You can only surf the wave you're on and you're the wave. Okay, where do we learn? self wave surfing technologies where we're inside of us what's possible for us right now what's in the way what can we create what's blocking us you know what's our opportunity what's what's confusing us you know these are the these are the really powerful evolutionary path process um, game world technologies And and this is this turns me on this makes me wake up in the morning and just start in exploring, because I don't have to go anywhere; it's right there. In just like you, you know, yeah, yeah, wake yeah. up in the morning, and go. It's right there, It's happening right
0: now. <laughs> I, I have to say that is my kind of question. It was something like, "How do we learn to surf, surf, surf the self wave we already are," or something like that. Yeah, and like, like I really got get what you're saying there too. So, like, oh my god, it's it's right. That is who I am every every moment, and what's possible right now. And that's, that's been a process for me. In a way, it's, it was initially Arm's um, length. It's like, oh, I can, I can bring the design processes I'm helping steward more alive. And then, oh, hang on, I can bring the business I'm part of more alive or support that conversation and organizations I'm supporting and so on. And it's like, hang on a second, what about me? You know, like, what would it mean for me to embody that stuff in the moment? And I, and I fully acknowledge that I'm, I'm on a path. And, mm-hmm. and yeah, and it really resonates for me too. in a lot of levels, that thing about adulthood like, I, I, I had a sh- this realization some years back. It was inside the permaculture game world where people were being handed these trophies to honor their eldership in permaculture. But the criteria to get one of those trophies was that you were old.
1: So,
0: <laughs> you know, so like you're saying, it was just like you reached a certain age and boom, you're an elder. It was like, I was yeah. like, no, fuck that. Like, to be an elder carries certain responsibilities. You know, mm. there has to be some kind of wisdom, some kind of protection of boundaries that matter to the game world, whatever it is. Um, and, With- and yeah, yeah. I'm just gonna say it's so.
1: Don't forget what you were gonna say, though. No, no, I've I got a few notes. So confusing because we have this concept called success, and or um, you know, there's fame and prestige and all that. But success is this main factor. Mm. And if are you, if you have to be successful, then because you're at this stage of life or whatever, you have to be successful. Then you then you start gripping onto this stuff. And then then falling into you know taking yourself into breakdown for the next evolutionary step is the opposite. It looks like the opposite of success. So you know, this is just conceptual conflict between evolution, which is going to like I I I was just counting the other day. I've been completely bankrupt three times in my life. Three you know three. At least three times a month. Like completely like there's no basis for any possibility of a future success. It's just been like game over. And you know, and and then and then it's like, okay, be there, surf that wave. You know, there are times in waves when you just get ground into the sand. You know, it's just like and you don't know if you're gonna come up for air in time, you know, or what kind of shark's gonna bite off what part of your anatomy or what's gonna happen out there. You just really don't know. And and I look at the plants, you know. I look at the birds. I look at the animal, and they're all in this. It, you know, these plants are fighting to the death for sunlight or rainwater or minerals or you know. And the, and the you know that a mouse turns around and he's eaten by you know a bird, and a bird turns around and he's eaten by a cat, and a cat turns around and he's eaten by you know a dog or I don't know. It's, it's this this kind of this evolution goes on, and so, to, but to try to avoid that with rigidity and solid ended answers, you know, it takes us out of the the real, the real, the, the joy of surfing, it takes us out of life. And, uh, and so,
0: yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah. I want to acknowledge too that the, the beautiful ways in which the aspects of ecologies cooperate also along with that with the fighting. And yeah, one, one thing that was coming up for me was this idea of taking more responsibility. You, you made a distinction between ch- child-level responsibility, adult level, and then even beyond that, radical responsibility. And I know we touched on that a little bit in episode 15, this idea of responsibility. But I was sitting with that as a, as a permaculture designer, like, what does it mean to be a permaculture designer? And, and often this idea of success is caught up with it. Oh, well, I've done a permaculture design certificate course, I've had 10 professional jobs, you know, I've got a portfolio, I'm a permaculture designer, I'm making money, I'm a successful permaculture designer. But what it means to you know, to, to let that idea go, and I've been there, right? I've totally been there, and move more into this idea of being on a path of, of, of evolution, and consciously growing capacity, because I was, I was there and I was stagnating. I was successful by every measure I was aware of and I just wasn't going anywhere and the processes weren't that alive. The clients were happy because they didn't know any better um, but there's this enormous potential for growth and that's what I realized as you're saying, that it's a huge part of the passion I've been bringing to making permaculture stronger. Really, that's what my heart yearns for is this, this context where people are coming together in communities of practice and really supporting each other to evolve and grow their capacity and take more responsibility Literally in the moment for the processes they're helping steward, because at the beginning, and I still get this today. People say, "Oh, look, Dan, I'm trying to, I'm trying to apply this living design process stuff, but the council regulations and the clients don't get it, and list of excuses or whatever." And and the energy of it is, that I can't take responsibility for the life of this process because there's all these things that make it too hard, which is a is a total cop out, right? Because it's like, well, that, that's all reality. That's just that's part of what's happening. You can still take responsibility for, yeah. for, for doing what's possible here and bringing – and I, I want to pick up on that, that next step idea too, like taking the step toward life because often it's back into this black-white thing. Either the process is alive or it's dead. So like, no, It doesn't work like that. It's a continuum. And right now where you are, what's the step that heads you, you know, towards life, towards evolution, towards emergence, rather than sort of giving up and because and, knowing that the natural – flow of the river right now in modern culture is not in that direction you're going to get swept back and even it's 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 kind of a a one of the other thing and i want to throw into the conversation uh, the this idea of the mage interface which you've talked about and i even i i had a little a little line from one of your sites which says the mage interface is where practical potential meets an accurate assessment of current reality and i I i just love that i think it's so powerful and realized how important it is to my design work but also experienced it in a lot of these spaces, more personal transformation spaces that, that I've been in with you and, and, and other colleagues. So I want to throw that into the mix because this idea oh. of the interface between what's what's really possible, not in theory, but mm-hmm. really possible and what's really here right now. And then how do we, and that to me, that's where the best next step is born, is in, is at that edge at the interface.
1: So I'm suggesting, I mean, we're researching this right now and I'm suggesting that each one of us every day is oftentimes at this interface between the practical potential and this accurate assessment of current reality. Like we are at this potential and then comes up, what comes up this thing for almost everybody is this huge fear of taking action, of speaking, of putting your hand up and saying, I have an idea, or what if we do this? or I don't want to do this or whatever the to actually speak out and that fear of taking action in that point is so massive. And we've been trained that fear is such a bad, negative feeling that if you have fear, we're going to give you drugs for your brain. And if it doesn't stop, we're going to put you in a mental institution. We are so programmed and terrified of having the fear that we deny the fear. And as soon as we deny the fear, we're denying the impulse to take action. And so we've been, we've been encouraging people to do this, a totally counterintuitive practice, which is each time you have the fear of speaking out, of standing up, of, of being seen. Every time you have the fear of being seen, it is indicating you have a contribution to make. The fear is coming from the thing, that you're, you, you have something to say or something to offer. And so the practice is when you notice your fear of, of speaking out, showing up, standing up, making an offer, you put your hand up and say, I have an offer, I have a proposal. And you don't even know what it is because all you know is that you're afraid to be seen. And so you're using the signal, you're using the signal of this fear of fear of being seen, fear of making a mistake, fear of criticism or judgment, you use the fear as the thing that puts your hand up and moves your mouth, says, I have a contribution, I have some, and you don't know what it is, all you know is you're terrified. But your practice is that fear would not be there unless I did have something to say. Hmm. And you say the fear first, and that clears the playing field for the thing to come out. And this thing is so fabulous to do every day. It's a, it's a daily kind of, it's not once in a lifetime or once in a project or something. It is an ongoing thing that happens in all these different dimensions of, you know, what to order for lunch, you know, who to call, you know, what to say to your kid, how, how to invite your partner to an interesting moment of intimacy, like all of this, it all comes up with, you just put your hand up, That's all you do. And then you start talking, I feel scared, you know, I have something to say. You don't even say that I feel scared any part. Your hand is that I have something to contribute here. Mm-hmm. I have a proposal. I have something to offer. And you don't even know what it is. It's fabulous. So I really hope people try this. It's yeah. a fantastic
0: thing to do. <laughs> totally. It puts you
1: in the flow. It puts you on the wave where you are. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Fully. And I, I want a to mage come. Interface. Yeah. Not
1: this mage interface. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I want to come back to that point we, we kind of whisked over earlier, too, which, and this was another comment that resonated with something you'd written somewhere. Your various you know there's a lot of different places where where you've written stuff but it was something like um don't fool yourself doesn't matter how much how many courses you've been to how many you know how much self-development you've done or whatever if you are not able to consciously notice your feelings and emotions right now and and use them and publicly speak to them in the moment then you're fooling yourself you know everything else is and just to really acknowledge that, and it's early days for me, but the, the power of inviting conscious feelings, and I just had a lovely conversation with Brian Bellincourt about this with regard to permaculture, and how critical that is in terms of contributing life to the process. And then, yeah, particularly this thing of fear, how that plays into the, this interface. And that thing that if you do have an accurate assessment of current reality, and you do have a real sense of what's practically possible right now, yeah, it's, it's there, it's part of the, the mix. And I wanted to tell you, too, that you talked about put your hand up or say I've got something to say because what happens is a secondary fear comes in, right? It's like I'm feeling afraid that this process has just taken a wrong turn or that something is being missed. Mm-hmm. There's that fear. Then the secondary fear is like I don't know what to say about it. I don't, I don't know what to – so well, one step at a time. Put your hand up, you know, cross yeah. that bridge first or say I've got something to say. You don't know what it is yet. Right. That fear is dealt with now. Now you can move to the next fear, which is what the hell am I going to say? But you've already, yeah. kind of, you've already committed. And I want to tell you that, that every six weeks, there's a thing called the Making Permaculture Stronger Developmental Community. Lovely group is about 10 of us or whatever. We come together to, to practice and explore evolving each other's capacity to hold more living processes. And I've been bringing in some of the stuff I've, I've been learning from working with you and other people in possibility management. And so last time we said, okay, enough theory, you know, because we, we, the pattern had been we come and we talk about what a living process is, then you go away and apply it in your life. Mm-hmm. And more and more, I'm, I'm like, well, it's this, it's this kind of prove it thing. You're into living process, prove it. <laughs> what would that look and feel yeah. like now? Like, right, not, not in 10 minutes, not in five minutes, now. And, um, yes. and so we did a thing. Initially, I, I, I kind of tricked people in a way. I said, okay, in two minutes, I'm going to ask you to name a color. <laughs> and then I spoke about some <laughs> other stuff. And I said, now, what color? What's your color? No one said their color. I said, now, review the past two minutes. When did you choose the color? And they're like, as soon as you told us we were going to, you know. So two minutes in the past, they have chosen the color. It's like, good, I've got my color. I know Dan's going to ask me. And when he asked me, I'm going to say this color. And I said, that's not so different from having a plan, you know, that you're going to impose in the future from a dead process, right? And then we went straight into a thing where it's like, let's practice speaking from the unknown, which is when you start speaking and you actually invite yourself into this experience as I'm saying a word and I don't know what the next word is. And now i've just said it and and so on and it's it's scary as hell and something that is so incredibly foreign to us in modern culture and it was it was so much fun and and the life it brought to people's faces and and the the energy of the space was was incredible and it was so directly relevant to design work because um, this is needed in, when we're speaking with clients when clients are speaking to us and so it's mm-hmm. the feeling stuff and it's the uh, there's there's a quote I think of often, which is a life fully lived is a continuous free fall into the unknown and a living process. That's, that's just how it goes, right? Like you have to be falling into nothingness and, and letting things emerge. And it's scary. And that's not a bad thing.
1: <laughs> so, so to get, I just want the people watching to get it, that, you know, we can talk about it, you know, being, being scared is not a bad thing. Okay. Well, I mean, that's a concept that is far less powerful than the programs that have been you know, hammered into us for decades. Mm. And this little idea of, okay, yeah, I'm gonna be afraid now and it's gonna be okay. So there's there's some, there's some really teams around the world right now that, that most people don't know about called, for example, Fear Club, fearclub.org, and also rageclub.org. And if people wanna, if you really, are you ready to start taking the next step where you are right now with regards to fear, for example, then just get into a, a, a fear club and just, just do that. And there's the, the other thing is oftentimes, for example, me, different people have different mechanisms, but I'm what I first noticed oftentimes is anger. Like I'm, I'm afraid of the refrigerator, I mean, angry about the, the refrigerator noise out in the next room, I'm angry about it. Okay, why am I angry about it? Well, the, I'm actually angry about the noise in the refrigerator because I'm afraid it will lower the quality of our of the background noise in our conversation, and so so it, oftentimes the superficial anger the anger that's on the top indicates a fear that's going on behind. But if it's not okay to feel angry, you'll never find the fear. So that's why we even recommend doing Rage Club before Fear Club, and so it's a, like a four week or eight week online once a week thing with exercise, 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 and you and you would never do these exercises, these practices like you're talking about on your own. You just, you needed friends to do it with you who hold space for you and are with you and you could talk about it and go, God, this is horrible. Or, this is amazing. Whatever, I discovered this or I didn't get how to do this. Can you give me some coaching? Like all that stuff with the fear club and the rage club online stuff is changing people's capability in visceral ways every week people come back on and they're different people and it's fantastic because they're applying it in these everyday situations that you're talking about yeah so i just wanted to let people know that was possible
0: yeah thank you yeah and i I want to share actually another story from the field is i run these online courses on holistic decision making which is another game world that i'm stewarding and in the last couple of sessions we talked about how well because the first practice is called articulate what matters to you, how you want your life to be. So just get clear on what you care about, what your values are. And there's a, there's a bunch of different ways you can get there. One of the ways is to think about it for a long time. <laughs> it can take, uh, and, and you think about it and you come up with a statement and evolve it and so on. And then I got across another way is to feel some feelings and see what happens and and modeled it right there and there. So just just like, oh, I feel angry that, and, and, and see what comes. And yeah. you'll say something and that'll be something you care about. It's usually a boundary that's been violated or whatever. And then say, right now in my life, I feel afraid about blah, blah, blah. I feel sad about, I feel joy about. And in two minutes, you've just got this amazing head start on these core value statements that would have taken you weeks if you relied. And the thing is, your mind will have ne- ne- never really got there. Um, Christopher Alexander, I think this is probably the most repeated quote on this show, but hell with it. I like the quote. The intellect is too crude of a net to catch the hole. And so you're, if you're interested in wholeness and holistic, whole-oriented work and process and living and so on, you, you need feeling. And, and, and not just feeling. you, you refer referred at the start to these five bodies. So one of them it's is the body. intellectual body. One of them is the emotional body with the feelings. Another one is the physical body with its sensations. Another one is the energetic body with its ability to get in resonance and kind of energetically sense um, the way forward. You, you, need, you need the lot. And the fifth list is the archetypal body that... We're so designed for
1: and so uneducated about. So, just wanted to add that in. Yeah, thank I'm you. I'm thinking yeah. of, I'm thinking of this, this capacity to pull the rug out from under the rigidity or the or the or the conviction, the beliefs, the the adamant uh, defensiveness about what we know or control or understand, like the, the And to pull to elegantly and with sophistication, like completely pull the rug out from under that construct, this mimetic construct that we depend so much on. And then, like you said, you're going into this free fall and and the the joy of improvisation comes out. You, You know, that's the place where you can improvise because the limitations are fewer. You know, it has to work, obviously. If you improvise in a way that doesn't work, it's, it's not, it does not entertain, it does not produce results, it does not you know, open up a new, a new connection, a new relationship, a new universe to explore together. So the improvisation needs to work and that's just skill. This is just, a, you know, try to imagine you know, birds with their wings clipped or birds in a cage or birds that are tied to the ground can't fly, we're well, those birds. We have had our wings clipped, we're tied to the ground, and we're in a cage. How are we supposed to fly? How are we supposed to learn to fly? And so we need these spaces where we can practice this kind of stuff. And one of the things we recommend is a possibility team. So there's a, there's a website also called possibilityteam.org that explains how we come together to make a safe space for experimenting in groundlessness. I mean, there's this quote from Pema Chodron, who's a Buddhist practitioner and she says, the nature of reality is groundlessness. And it's like, okay, this is very different from the modern materialistic, you know, construct of things that are known. You know, I think therefore I am this kind of construct. And she's saying the nature of reality is groundlessness. Well, okay, well, that's a, that's a different viewpoint. And, it's, and to explore that, it brings you into process. Is this, if it's groundless, then it's gonna be moving. If it's groundless, mm-hmm. There's this, there's this really amazing uh, a piece of art that I've um, taken to heart. It's a, it's a simple two-frame uh, comic strip. And the first one is titled, Three Men Falling into a Bottomless Pit. And you see the first guy is biting his nails and the other guy is scraping down the wall. And the other guy is just completely catatonic in this fetal position, just freaking out, screaming, dropping into this bottomless pit, forever dropping. And the next frame of the comic is same men six months later. And you see these guys, they just got used to the sensation of having no bottom. And so one's sitting in a beautiful meditation position, and another one is kind of you know filing his nails, and the other one is flying around, you know, like this, totally enjoying the possibility of being in this free-falling space because. He, that could not happen when, when you're stuck in this cage again and you have the solid ground. So I love the, that, that it just takes some time to get used to. It. It's a, a different set of skills. And if the nature of reality is groundlessness, then every time we try to hammer things down into a solid reality, we're not in reality. Hmm. We're in a fantasy, fictional, intellectual world that, that things are set like that. And I, the playfulness that's brought to life in, in the less rigid construct is ecstatic. And, you know, I've known you for not so long, but ever since I met you, you've had access to the, the groundless possibility because you've, you've been essentially, your relationship to life is essentially ecstatic, even in the worst of times, you know, even in the times when quote unquote bad things are happening or nothing is happening or whatever. There's this ecstasy of discovery and evolution and exploration, and so I, I'm I I would encourage people to do this experiment of each day finding a time where, I think, like you make an energetic space for yourself that doesn't have does not have a bottom on it that there's that there aren't any rules the rules don't apply in this space anymore or this this force of Oh, I have to make enough money to live. I have to uh, be a nice person or a good boy, or you know, I have to. I have to, you know, fit these constraints. They just don't apply in this space. And give yourself, you know, twenty minutes or a half hour of of not knowing, of like, of, of discovering, like you said, who who are you? Like, what is it? What is it that's actually going on with you? that that does not con, like constrain itself to fit external pressures or, or structures that seem to exist or seem to be so imperative but to to take yourself into breakdown and like you said if you lay on your bed and you just start crying for some reason or you just start pounding the you know the mattress and really just you know screaming out loud or freaking out let like this fear come to, you know, so you just to the hair on your back your neck and you know, warn your neighbors or your, your you know, <clears throat> the people in your household, you say, I'm just going to go into my, my groundless state for a little while. I'll be fine. It'll be a little noisy, but I'll be fine. And after the second or third time, you know, the kids, the kids will come around. And the first time you tell them this, you know, I'm going to go in my room and, and do this, this groundless state, they'll they'll freak out a little bit. But the second time you do it, that they'll have their friends over, and the friend, they tell, shh, "My dad's just gonna go into this groundless state," shh. you know, and then you start shouting and screaming. And the third time you do it, after you come out, you know, your, your son will come up to you and go, "Dad, I'm gonna go in my room. I'm gonna go into my groundless state. I'm gonna. It's gonna be loud, but don't worry about me. I'll be there for three minutes, and then I'll be back out again. And then they'll, they'll do it themselves. And so you you just open up a whole new world for relating and for. It really
0: play like high level fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, these are all wild and crazy experiments that I've been pl- I've been experiencing, and same with the children too. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> like, but such a, that's been a big revelation. Just feelings, feelings are where it's at. <laughs> Feel them, and you, we ha- we all have access to them, and they're not this random kind of annoying bad thing. They're this ridiculously powerful source of accurate information and um, energy. And, and the, the the team thing too, I'm, I'm part of one of these possibility teams, which is not a, it's just an idea. It's a, it's not just, but it's an, it's an idea. Any any group of people can get a sense of what it means to be in a team like this and do it. It's not about a course or whatever at all. I'm, I'm in one of these and it's amazing to be in a space weekly where it's about being real and alive with each other right now. And everything is stripped away. doesn't matter that I'm blah, blah, blah. I've got a podcast or it doesn't matter that, Whatever qualifications, what I was yesterday or what I might be tomorrow is irrelevant. Like we're all being the waves we are right now, and calling each other out too, and supporting each other to to be more in contact with what's real. And in a way, like what what that what that is about is is living the idea. Or for me, is about living the idea of living process in the moment and making it more of a a normal, just not kind of normalizing it. And and I'm, I'm I'm really grateful for this for this work and these opportunities. And just, I'm
1: not an expert in permaculture except that permaculture has this outer aspect and this inner aspect. And a lot of the original permaculture research, I mean, the name permaculture derived from experiments, as I understand, in external applications of permaculture principles in, in working with the nat- natural world. And so... Um, there's this whole, it's a shift of into this whole permaculture viewpoint where the, the, even if you have the skills in outer permaculture, your inner life could be rigid and crystallized and, and you might have a successful garden and amazing squash growing and beans and all that. But if your inner world is tied up in these knots and you have this, this suppression and repression and this revenge thoughts in your mind and these voices, and you have, if you have that kind of stuff going on, it's not very rewarding. Even the big squash is not rewarding enough to, com- you know, com- to, to complement or like complete the the inner lack of of freedom of flow and, and evolution. So the the outer permaculture combined with this inner culture makes this whole permaculture. And the, there's a there's I I wanted to just bring us back to bringing you know using chaos like acknowledging an inner chaos that i think is present in all of us and and is as a resource rather than something to be afraid of and I, so many people that i've met in different processes have a fear of this void inside of us like there's this emptiness and sometimes for example you'll find yourself Opening the refrigerator, standing in front of the refrigerator, and you don't know why you're standing in front of the refrigerator, but you do know that nothing in the refrigerator is going to help you fill this void because the sense is, I, I, the void is wrong, it's bad, I need to fill it with something. A lot of times, people will find some partner and expect the partner to fill the void in them. It's this, I don't know, fantasy world of true love or something where your partner has to be the one to. Fill all your needs or all your unmet needs or or this emptiness to fill this emptiness. And so the shift that is possible is for you to address the void and like turn around in yourself in inner permaculture and you, and you face the void and you go, hello, void. I am so glad you're there. I feel so glad you are there because inside of me, then I have a source of nothingness. And the thing is, If you don't have nothingness, how can you? You you need nothingness to create something. You need, like, so often you you go into a thing, and if you can't create nothing out of something, then you can't create something out of nothing. So you need the nothingness before you can create something. Like if there's something already there, you got to take it apart first before you can build the next thing. So, so you already, each of us, I think, were born with a source of the void the absolute nothingness inside of ourselves as a resource. And you can you can change your relationship to this, that thing instead of just being afraid of it, or I don't know what to do with this, or I, it's, I'm broken, I have this emptiness, I, you know, instead go, well, I am so glad I have inside of me this open nothingness. And it's, sometimes it's small, sometimes it's really big in different people, but it's there. And you go, this is my resource. I can reach in there basically and pull stuff out. It's like one of these magic hats, you know, you reach in, you just pull something out. So you can reach into this nothingness inside of you, pull it out. And you, that's one of the things you can do in, your, in the, you know each day is reach into there, just pull out something that you can use. And just, if the first thing comes out and you can't use it, just reach in and pull out the next thing and pull out the next thing until you get, cause it's infinite, you know, what's bigger, nothing or everything, you know, what's bigger, this nothingness, the void what or everything. And, the, and if you start checking that out, you have this question. Well, if the nothingness is not bigger, where would the everything fit? So the nothingness is actually bigger than the everything. And so if you, that's your friend, if you have some of that inside it, you, you've got access to so much more than just the little stuff you know about in your mind. And so this is, this is where to go with this mage interface and this inner permaculture. Is to discover this resource that you have inside of yourself and use it as part of your inner design work.
0: <laughs> Thank you. This is an edge for me. So, and, and let me know. I'd be delighted to hear of people's experiments. Who knows? You might just have started transforming your relationship with the inner void. And I wanted to share one way that makes sense to me. Not that it necessarily needs to, but I distinguish between cases where you're in a design process, with a landscape, or organization, or yourself, or whatever. And often we can fall into a pattern of tweaking what exists, which is shifting something. So we're turning something into another thing. Whereas often when the processes are most alive for me, there is this sense of I need some sort of contact with with nothingness, with falling into the unknown in order to let whole new somethings emerge that, that, that in a way often the experiences that pre-existing something sort of just dissolve and fall away and become fertilizer. Yeah. So that, that's one way it kind of shows up for me. And I I wanted to um, towards closing, I really want to come grasp this chaos, this, 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 this concept of chaos too, in the sense that in the processes that are most alive for me, it's almost like the process is about getting so in touch with what's real, all the different forces at play that are really there. And many of those, the reality that many of those are already in tension and conflict with each other. And then letting one of those forces be what's practically possible. In terms of what would it mean for this landscape and these people to be in the game of evolution and and, and expressing their potential. And, and then and then being with the reality of all these forces that can get to a point where they're just there's there's just so many and there's so much conflict that boom, the whole thing just drops into chaos, like a wave breaking. And at first, when, when you even get a hint that's going to happen, you freak out. Well, I did this is not good. I'm not being paid to drive this thing into chaos, like that would be the worst possible outcome. But then you then you go through it and you realize on the other side of chaos, that's where the beauty and the life and the wholeness is. You know, that 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 yeah, that, that it's almost like new growth is is possible. And um, wow, it's scary as hell and 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 incredible. And 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 almost yeah. like kind of required or necessary or inevitable or something like that. Like another thing to shift one's relationship with for me anyway.
1: A lot of times it helps to tell people when you're about to do that, or when you're noticing it happen, you say, ah, we are entering the Phoenix process. And you have a name for it. People get the idea of the Phoenix, you know, the Phoenix burning and falling into ash, and then perhaps something comes out of the ashes again. And so if you have a name for it, and you you are professional, your professional Phoenix process facilitator you take things into this chaos and into the breakdown and then you wait, then you have to do this waiting thing. Cause there's no guarantee actually that something's going to come That's out. That's what's of so ash.
0: scary. yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but you know, something will come out of it, so, you know, sideways, or I don't know then the the water can wash the ash away and you have fresh land or who knows what's going to, what's going to happen. But this thing about creating something out of something else is, is, I use the word creativity for that. It's just creativity. You, know, you take the ribbons and wrap it around the paper and you hang that on the wall and you have this creativity sort of thing. But when you have nothingness and you reach into this, the void inside of you, you just reach in and pull out something out of nothing. This is creation. And the actual experience of creation is so identical to the experience of being in love. So if you like being in love, start creation. And it's different from creativity because creativity starts with something. Creation starts with nothing. And then that's the that's the an exercise of practice, that's where to go. And of course you need the nothingness and then you just phoenix the thing. Just take it into take it into chaos and and hold the space, hold the space of possibility. And out of that will come something, probably <laughs> <laughs>
0: I, the, the property I'm sitting on, this is my parents' property, seven acres of river flat. And about four years ago, a, a, an unprecedented a flood that was unprecedented in modern times came through, and Mum and Dad's life fell into chaos. And it was really scary. You know, it, it felt like it really could um, break them, and a lot of possessions, all the damage, and all that. And and what's come out of that chaos is just extraordinary and not just not just the fact that the whole landscape was fertilized and the trees were like yes and just exploded the plant life but also the clearing out of so much of of what mum and dad were attached to in terms of possessions and all that and and even their ideas about how life was going to be here and what mattered and all that it was just totally transformed and so what's happening here now is a really powerful manifestation example of this this phoenixing yeah. yeah, I just
1: think the watchers, you know, people with us can can look back in their own lives and find probably a few of those times that have happened to them in the past. And, and look, here they are listening to Dan Palmer's, you know, podcast you know, and being ecstatic and being with you. And like it didn't turn out all so bad, afterwards, you know, and so <laughs> it's a great it's a great re- picture reference point to OK, OK. Let's phoenix this thing. Let's take it into chaos and, and see what we can do next. Mm, mm, mm,
0: mm. Thank you, Clinton. I, I I was feeling joy as you were speaking then to realize that my experience of this conversation, it certainly wasn't planned. <laughs> <laughs> and it, and it, in my sense, it wasn't totally random and haphazard. You know, I did, I did feel a, a theme and a revisiting and echoes and so on. So I'm, really, I'm so grateful. I, lo- I love being able to j- drop into the unknown of these conversations, right? And yes. um, I, 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 had, I, I was hoping we'd mention a wave. Um, you know, I thought I'd start by mentioning the three processes, but that was about it. <laughs> and everything else em- emerged. And it worked. Yeah. Well, it worked for me. I've had a really lovely time. You know, just thank you. Thanks, Dan.
1: Looking forward to next time. Have a great Phoenix process.
0: <laughs> Likewise. Okay. Keep it coming. Thanks so much, Clinton.